Hello and welcome to the live streamer backstage podcast. I'm Alec Johnson and this is a weekly show in which I interview fellow live streamers to understand how they are using live streaming as a tool in their business and to discover the tech, the gear and the software that they use to produce great live shows. My guest today is DJ Strick, a man with decades of experience in the media production and professional broadcasting industry. For 13 years, he was host of the widely popular 95.7 Gospel Jams FM, a weekly program which aired on radio in Birmingham, Alabama. He's currently the producer of the syndicated jazz radio program, Block Party Radio, which airs in over 20 markets. He's also the host of The Stream Show over on the Ecamm Network YouTube channel, a weekly show in which he interviews fellow live streamers all about uh, all things live streaming and content creation. Uh, If you like this podcast, you should definitely check that out. In fact, that was a big inspiration for me starting this uh, very podcast and show as well. Uh, And indeed, it was through The Stream Show that I was introduced to so many of the awesome people in the Ecamm and live streaming community. I've always loved the aesthetic style and branding of his show, and Strick obviously has a natural flair on screen, no doubt in influenced by his vast broadcast experience. It is this that I want to focus in on more today. On every episode of this podcast, it's always interesting to learn the pre-live streaming experience and skills that my guests bring to the table and how that influences what they do as live streamers and content creators. Clearly, in Strick's case, this is a very direct link between syndicated radio show host and producer and live streamer. I'm really keen then to understand how that has shaped his approach to live streaming, both from a technical and business perspective, and also how he finds live streaming compares to more traditional broadcast radio when it comes to reach, connection, and engagement with his audience. Of course, we will also be diving into the studio setup and gear he's using as well. So without further ado, let's welcome DJ Strick. Hey Strick, how's it going? Thank you so much for being here. Man, thank you for the invitation. This is great. I should now be sending you some type of buy me a coffee cash app or something <laughs> just for the uh, the introduction. So thank you so very much. Oh, well, it's a pleasure. And like I say, you've been uh, an inspiration in me uh, setting up this very podcast. I love the uh, the formats that you have with your show and uh, you know the getting to see the sort of behind the scenes. I think that was the sort of big thing that I took away from from it as well. So uh, thank you for all all thank that you've you. been doing. That's awesome, man. Thank you so very much for saying that. I mean, we all, you know, try to do something to inspire people. So if people can glean something from what we're doing and add it to uh, some type of business model for them, I think that's great. I think that's great. I appreciate you so much. So thanks again. Uh, perhaps you could give some uh, folks, though, the, an introduction to a bit about your background. I mean, I t- touched on some of it there, but perhaps you can talk a little bit about that and, and how that led into uh, to live streaming as well. So that is a good question. So you talked about my experience in radio. Um, and a lot of times people hear me and they say, okay, I get it. You sound like somebody that's been on the radio. Uh, radio gave me an opportunity to kind of take my creativity and put it out on the air. And I love doing it. I love producing the show, like behind the scenes. I did it all. So from the show producer from the show marketer, executive producer, uh, to um, getting guests and doing the show talent-wise, I did it all. And it allowed me to see, you know, kind of behind the scenes of what the business is really like. And um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed doing it. So some things like in any business, you can go for so long and sometimes people as a human response to get complacent with something they uh, see or hear every day. And that's Mm -hmm. what comes up in radio. Sometimes it's just like a new voice. Well, when things changed 
for me and the executive uh, program director wanted to go a different route with my showtime. At first, I was really okay with it. It's like, hey, I've done my part. I've done my role. I am who I am. I can go to another station. I do something else. No problem. And then I realized the best way to get a job, like any time that the best time to get a job is when you have a job. Mm-hmm. All right. Not shopping for one afterwards. And you people will learn this in the business. Like if you know the writings on the wall, before you leave your job, especially in the media, so just go because they like taking competitors. OK. And love taking competitors. So if there's not a compete or anything, you can go somewhere else. Just go before you don't have one, because at that point they're not taking uh, a competitor. They're just getting a new talent. And sometimes you may or may not be a good fit, but everybody loves taking a competitor, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Well, <laughs> what happened is I kind of was sitting back and realizing that, you know, at first I was like, I'm done with it. I don't really have to do much. I actually did an app where people can download. And that was cool, but it really wasn't an outlet for me. And I figured out right before the pandemic that, I mean, you know what, I want to start up this YouTube channel and go live on Facebook and started to figure out how to do that. As I was doing my research, uh, there comes Ecamm Live. You know, you're able to use a Mac to go live and I like the interface and I probably played with it one day. The next day I bought it for a whole year and started playing with it, figured out uh, who uh, Doc Rock was, watched a lot of his stuff. Bradley Vincent watched a lot of his stuff, Diana Gladney. Um, I just had Justin Brown. I was watching him talk about the Ecamm Live and uh, Pat Flynn talked about it. I saw all these people talking about Ecamm. I said, I got to get it. And I got in there and it was just so easy for me to use. It's like, hey, I can make this happen. So I started going live on Facebook and on YouTube and it was a pretty nice show. I was doing a Thursday night show. And uh, actually it was Tuesday and Thursday night. And then I started just doing once a week. And from there, there was a, a live that Alicia Way did. We were doing a, what we call Vlogmas. It's an yeah. opportunity for a group of people to come together and do a challenge. And we did it uh, going live every day in the month of December. I think this was 2020, December 2020. And uh, Alicia Way and myself were doing reviews of everybody's video. So we'll go and kind of review the video, talk about it, encourage people. And from there, uh, one night we did a five hour stream. <laughs> like literally we were on for a very long time. And I met Brent Collins one of those nights and Brent and a couple of guys actually did a review one night that, uh, Alicio and I couldn't do it. And I just thought that Brent was really um, entertaining and very knowledgeable about broadcasting and what people can do. His critiques of the videos was just on point and I mm-hmm. really, really liked it. So when I had an opportunity to do a show or to actually uh, start something new, I had Brent come on with me. So we did a show together called The Stream Show. We had an up and going in two weeks. Nice. Okay, like from zero, 
from zero to a show in two weeks, and we had it monetized day one. Actually, it was monetized before we even started because we went through the community asking for support, and people mm-hmm. started supporting us. So we have zero subscribers. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, don't let uh, the YouTube partner program get in your way. <laughs> you can be monetized even before then if yep. you know how to work a business. So that's how I got started. Um, just doing my own show and then uh, doing a show for Ecamm with um, Brent Collins. And basically it was a Sunday night show through the pandemic. It, Sunday was a great night. And we're finding now as the audience grows, it's still a great night to do content like that where people mm-hmm. kind of slow have slowed down and they're wanting to be educated and entertained on a Sunday night. The stream show is the place to be. Uh-huh. Nice. And you mentioned about getting monetized there. There's first of all, yeah, too many people focus on the YouTube partner program. I think not in our circles, but you know, people starting on YouTube right. have just got that as a target. And um, yeah, you've got a longer, long wait to go there. Um, but I'm interested to know how did you uh, how did you go about monetizing that? So what was the the sort of process that you used for that? So we actually use Buy Me a Coffee, which mm-hmm. is a website where people is built for creators. So if someone just want to give you a donation, they can give you a donation. Uh, you can do coaching courses. You can do uh, your one-on-one sessions. Basically, you can set up your own kind of website with mm-hmm. Buy Me a Coffee where uh, your classes, your courses, your digital product all could land there. And we set up one and people just gave to us in support as we talked about our show coming up. So they started supporting us that way. And you really can uh, garner uh, some great beginning support mm-hmm. using something like that if it's used the right way. Yep. Um, but of course, if you have PayPal or if you have, I think, Stripe or something like that, there's a there are programs set up inside of uh, PayPal where people can donate to you at any point. What you have to do is just advertise that there is a need mm-hmm. or what you're doing with a community, whether it's your community or a community you are part were a part of. So uh, we reached out to the community we were a part of and used that community to kind of help us get going from a monetization standpoint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, buy me a coffee. Does that help? Did that Anna? It does. Yeah. yeah. I, I got into buy me a coffee because of uh, Doc, my uh, my content creation coach. <laughs> That's what he's right. been telling me since the first time I saw his videos, and it's it's so true. Right. Um, but yeah, he mentioned that. And that was one of the first things I set up for my YouTube channel, and I was just amazed the first time someone buys you a coffee on buy me a coffee. It's just like, oh, this it really does work. You know, like you say, you it can be on work. almost zero subscribers and then still be starting to make progress there. So. <laughs> And I want people to get stopped on even that because that's another, um, so uh, I guess maybe six, seven months into that, buy me a coffee, stop using PayPal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which everybody is, you know, I use PayPal and not Stripe. So, and the reason why I'm bringing this up, we shouldn't allow uh, other platforms to kind of control us, whether sure, it's YouTube, yep. buy me a coffee, anything, mm-hmm. find a way that you can get people from your web page directly to you. So yep. I could do a DJ strict buy me a coffee.com. And that's just my web page with their name or something funky in there. The uh-huh. idea is to be able to find ways that people can support you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's no different than a Kickstarter program. It's no yep. different that the idea is if you're doing something and you have an audience or you can send links to people, 
and say, hey, can you support me? Try to do that. That is a great way to get monetized before mm-hmm. uh, anything else. So before affiliate link, uh, but, I mean, you got friends and family that would donate to you before someone would even listen to you say, hey, buy this product. Mm-hmm. Go after the friends and family. I mean, it makes a difference. Five, ten, twenty dollars makes a difference in, you know, whatever equipment or whatever you want to do ad wise to get your content out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great, great advice there. And uh, what about the, your sort of longer term view of uh, monetization? Because the show's now moved over like actually on the Ecamm channel. But I know that, you know, in the even when it was on uh, your channel, it was still um, you know, sort of affiliated with Ecamm. So what was your sort right. of mindset when you came into it, as well as the sort of listener support, then also the sort of longer term uh, view of it being, you know, something for a, you know, to have a brand deal out of it? That is a really good question. And I always tell people to be creative. Think outside of the box. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it cannot be done. Mm-hmm. So if you're in this box of I got to be monetized through um, YouTube, what if you're like me and you have years of talent experience in front of the camera, in front of the mic experience, but you have two, three hundred people as subscribers? Some people will say, well, that's a small YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Well, the YouTube channel just started or I just started working it. Mm -hmm. It really I had it since 2007, just never really focused on YouTube, didn't really know Mm -hmm. uh, from a content creator because I was creating content, you know, on the radio, which Mm -hmm. was monetized. It's just a different thing. Yep. I actually had a uh, TV show that a three camera switch with webcams inside of the studio and actually did put up some uh, what I call uh, music videos uh, on my page. But once I stopped doing that, I just didn't focus on YouTube anymore. And when I wasn't focused on YouTube, YouTube skyrocketed as a place for Uh content creators to grow. That being said, if you want to monetize this more, from a branding standpoint, more ways for you to monetize just on your own channel. Mm-hmm. There are companies all over the world that need content. You're a content creator. You don't have to be a content creator just for yourself. Mm-hmm. What if people paid you to make content on their channel? Mm-hmm. Making content is expensive. Having the lights, having the computers, having the knowledge and skills to be able to press these buttons is a big deal. If we get caught up in our own vanity of saying it's got to come through my channel, yeah, go right ahead. Go right ahead uh, knowing that, again, someone like Justin Brown that I just interviewed, he's eight years in. Mm -hmm. So if you're, you're number one, just think, hey, he has a million subscribers. Yeah, you may get there, but it may take you eight years. Well, as I am growing, what if I uh, position myself position myself with some other brands and actually make some money along the way? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the idea behind it, Alex, just to be able to work with some brands and get paid by working and creating content for them. Now, I'm not going to say you're going to save the world. Like none of this. I'm not a full-time content creator. But if I do it right, I grow my brand with brand awareness. Mm -hmm. Uh, People, I get a chance to hang out with Alex because of my brand uh, being seen on Ecamm. Mm -hmm. I get to encourage someone like Alex that 
It's only there because of my brand deal with Ecamm. So I get a chance to use, uh, this was the mindset when we started with the stream show. Stream show had 30 subscribers based off of people just, you know, we don't have a video. We had a feature video that I recorded. We put that up. Right. Ecamm had 20,000 people in their community. Mm-hmm. At the time, they may have had 5,000 people on their YouTube uh, subscribers. Mm -hmm. So we went from our page to their community and to their YouTube channel. So we were multi-streaming in a bunch of places, and it absolutely worked. Mm -hmm. It absolutely worked. Now, it didn't work from growing our YouTube page but to be visible in the community at sure. Ecamm with 20,000 plus people and to be visible on their YouTube channel with 5,000 plus people it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, again, brand awareness initially was a big push. And then, of course, we started to do behind the streams with them, which was an additional um additional featured video that they had based on us creating content for them. That's such a great insight, though, that thing about uh, there is this whole vanity thing where people will say, like, oh, I just want to focus on my, I don't want to be doing it for somewhere else. But yeah, that ability to leverage such a huge audience to, um, you know, that will obviously sort of feed back into what you're doing like, either currently or then after the fact as well is, is such a great little uh, insight. <laughs> I would say, you know, if you're doing it this way, please balance it. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually have a couple of brands that I work with. Uh, so Ecamm is one, one stream live is another brand mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of time to create content. Sure. So, uh, what has lacked is my YouTube channel, which that is, that should be everybody's long-term mm-hmm. goal to be able to get your channel, not to the partner program. You want to get your channel to where it's actually making money for you. Mm-hmm. All right. So you really need to be thinking 50 80, 100,000 subscribers because it's possible. Mm-hmm. I just interviewed somebody eight years in. It has a million subscribers. Those things are available. He's not the only person that has a channel like that. There are tons of channels yep. that have a means. And you can have what it takes some work. Okay. It takes some time to figure it out uh, because uh, I think something Doc says is not your channel. It's the audience channel. When your audience tells mm-hmm. you this is what looking for you got to double down on whatever is working this is why i tell people don't go on tiktok dancing unless you want to dance for the rest of your life because that video goes viral they don't want you talking about content creation they want you dancing Mm -hmm. so i'm not dancing because i don't want to do that for the rest of my life i'm not a good dancer all right so what i do is i have the ability of being a great host and teaching content Mm -hmm. so if Brand see that, hey, we can use him as a host or we can maybe use him as a content uh, tutorial person. Great. Here I am. I'm the guy for you. Mm-hmm. And that could actually work. And as people see me, they can also find, because I use the same name, DJ Strick is my handle, at DJ Strick on YouTube is my handle. So people can find me there. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm really glad you mentioned about, you know, the likes of Justin Brown with, you know, one million plus, but that it's the time that they've been on it. I think that's another uh, mis- misapprehension that people have coming into YouTube is that, you know, you can be sort of an overnight success. And whilst there are some people who are like that, um, for the majority, it is a a factor of just 
consistent <laughs> long-term work um but there right. is this sort of like snowball effect this like hockey hockey curve if you like it does uh, happen you're right it does happen there's a small snowball that's going to happen in there but it's different for everyone yeah yeah uh-huh so uh, so yeah i'm just glad you sort of emphasize the sort of time that it takes to get to those things and and these sort of things that you're talking about as um extra vehicles along the way to increase your uh, exposure and your platform and things like that are just yeah just really uh, really great tips so I have this thing called digital footprint uh-huh. or electronic footprint. So if you go to Google and you type in your name, uh, let's, you can try the incognito window or something like this and type mm-hmm. in your name and see what comes up. So basically I have uh, kind of expanded my digital footprint. If someone's looking for DJ Strict, they're going to see those brand videos mm-hmm. as well as my own videos. They're going to see brands talking about me. So at DJ Strick and all these things inside of Google that they can find me. Mm -hmm. So if it was just my channel, who's endorsing you? Yep. Yep. Who else are you working with? I'm not saying everybody's going to get a brand deal, but as you are beginning your journey and if it's just you, find ways. So Alex, let me explain this to you. Of course, I'm working with, Ecamm, and I saw a way to be. I won't even go Ecamm. Let's go before Ecamm. Let's get live community, which is Doc's yep. Facebook community. We all were in there growing. Ecamm saw the growth and activity of this community and decided to, hey, let's feature some of you guys on our page. That feature led everybody to start doing the same type work inside of Ecamm's mm-hmm. community. Ecamm gets content on their community page, people going in, going live, talking about stuff, making posts, and it continues to grow. Well, I saw another software company that I got through AppSumo, like OneStream Live. I was an AppSumo deal. I paid one time, got a lifetime deal. Right. I like the product, you know, for what I was using it for. And I went in their community and just provided value. Mm hmm. So when it came up and they were ready to look for content creators, guess what? I was providing value. Who doesn't press the button and see that person's profile? They press the button, see my profile, and they see all the Ecamm stuff is on, and they see my videos. They say, hey, this guy knows how to communicate. Maybe he can help us. And that led to an inbox from their marketing person and started a conversation. So what am I saying? I'm saying if you're someone out there, and you're trying to make waves the way you could do it. I'm not saying five or six, but find some communities. Facebook communities is the best way to provide value. And you're just going after companies that you already use mm-hmm. their particular products and find ways that you can add value. Like if you're someone that um, can do how to videos. And share it with the brand or I always, this is one of the things that I always use. I heard this, the first one's free, make the first one free videos. Mm-hmm. All right. And see what happens. See how the brand responds. Hey, I want to give you this. This was the issue I was having from the onboarding process. And I made a how-to video on how you could do it a whole lot easier than what it took me. And do the video, drop it in there and do it well. I guarantee you brands will respond. If they don't do anything but repost a video, that could still take you a little further sure. from people seeing you in the community. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, it's like we see that in the Ecamm community as well. I mean, the, the people who are there have sort of been active and 
you know, posting content, they do get get more exposure as well. And, and it's all the, the sort of helpful people in there. I think Ecamm is something that's really quite exceptional in that respect about, you know, I haven't seen any community that's quite like it, but um, I, I was speaking to Doc about this when he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, um, but he attributes that to, you know, you and Alicio and all the other people in there that were there at that sort of earlier stage being so open and, and sort of sharing of information. So it also helps to to build the community as well. So then you end up, it's, it's sort of a self-fueling thing then where you then end up building and growing a, a, an excellent community as well around it. So there was a guy that was very close. To, I think he was maybe a moderator for Doc early on. His name is Lynn Whale. Oh, yeah. Lynn yeah. Whale is mm-hmm. out of New York. And um, he was probably one of the first ones other than Doc that I saw that would go on on a constant basis and kind of give tips here and there. Right. And there have been people, um, you know, sporadically giving support to uh the community, but he was one of the first that would come on and provide support. And then by him being in the Let's Get Live community, it's kind of like we're seeing other people other than Doc that kind of know what they're talking about. So mm-hmm. he was definitely playing connected to Doc. It was just really, really cool to be a part of, you know, like-minded content creators mm-hmm. because through the pandemic, um, I think for a lot of us, that was our real community. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we didn't get a chance to go out. You know, you, you couldn't really go out of the house for real for a social or yep. any type of entertainment. So what we built in that time from 2000 uh, to 2020 and 2021 was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And it's still going. It is still going. So now the evolution is, you know, using Discord to, to chat and to be inside a community, which me is so much harder to do but it's still out there mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's, there's pros and cons to uh to discord but uh, one of the things i like about discord is the the organization so uh it for for just jumping in and seeing like oh somebody's live like in facebook that seems to work better but then when you want, want to actually drill down into information uh, i find that the search and everything in discord is uh is is a little bit at a different level there so there's sort of pros and cons gotcha. to both of them i think but um yeah i, I was just the majority of the people that I spend most time with these days are people I've never met and I've only met them virtually through Ecamm. So I've certainly benefited from that whole sort of community spirit of it as well. I just want to take a moment to talk about Ecamm Live. This is the live production Mac software that we're using to live stream and record this podcast. In my opinion, it is the best live streaming and recording software on the market today. So what exactly does it do? Well, essentially, it allows you to control the content that you're including in your video, be it a live stream or a recorded video. And you do this by building out different scenes that contain the content that you want to show. This content may be a feed from your camera or indeed multiple cameras, or you may be sharing a screen, which is what I do a lot of in my tutorial style videos that I make for my Take One Tech YouTube channel. You can share the screen from a second computer or maybe even a gaming console if you are a live streaming gamer. And just as we are doing in this podcast, you can also bring in guests using Ecamm Live's built-in interview mode where guests can join from a browser and you can then incorporate their video and audio into your production. Finally, you can add all kinds of additional graphical and animated overlay elements and even movies to really add a level of branded professionalism 
that would be hard to achieve in any other way. The real magic happens though when you hit that record or go live button because then you are able to seamlessly switch back and forth between all of the scenes that you've created and indeed this is how all of the videos have been created for my Take One Tech YouTube channel and the reason it's called Take One Tech by the way is because all of the videos are made in one take with no edits. I just hit record, make the video and as soon as I hit the end recording button the file is there and ready to be uploaded straight to YouTube. What I love about Ecamm is not just the ease of use that it has when compared to other live streaming software but also the greater flexibility it gives in terms of layouts and designs that you can create for your shows when compared to some of the hardware streaming solutions. And one thing that makes Ecamm great specifically for podcasts is the fact that it has the ability to record isolated audio tracks. So once we finish recording this podcast I'll have a separate audio file for me, my guests and any other audio tracks that have been a part of the recording. That makes the editing and repurposing of the content for the podcast so much more streamlined. It does have another little trick up its sleeve though and that is its virtual camera feature. This allows you to take the video output from Ecamm live straight into communication apps like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Discord and so on. This means that rather than just appearing in Zoom meetings with a regular camera feed you can now show up with all of the amazing production values that Ecamm live gives you and deliver that straight into your Zoom meeting. And trust me when you rock up to a Zoom meeting with Ecamm <laughs> the other participants will be truly amazed. So whether for live streaming, recorded video content or to level up your Zoom game I highly recommend you give Ecamm live a go. You can get a free trial by going to takeonetech.io slash Ecamm that's E-C-A-M-M takeonetech.io slash Ecamm and of course you can find a link to that in the show notes as well. You will certainly not regret giving it a go. Now let's get back to the show. Perhaps we can talk a little bit about the the, the sort of tech side. It's really interesting to hear that sort of business side of stuff but we talked about obviously your um, you know the background in broadcast. Um, when it, you're bringing all of those skills over to live streaming um, where is it that um, where is it that helps? Where are the gaps in that that you need to then sort of fill in? Because obviously there's a difference between running a, a show with a whole load of people on a, a radio station and then suddenly you know, sort of doing it almost alone. <laughs> There's lots of other little things that we have to sort of fill in around that. What's been your experience with that? And, you know, what were the, what are the, the advice that you would bring over from radio to give to people? And what are the, the, the things that you've had to learn along the way? So um, being on radio and being live on the radio uh, gives you that sense of from a, I guess, a talent perspective it reduces that anxiety. Like I've been live mm -hmm. before. You press a button, the red light goes on. You got to say something. It's got to be nice and concise. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't really have the time with radio that you have with live streaming. Live streaming, you can talk for as long as you want to. Radio, it's got to be nice and concise. One thought gets you in and out of a break to the next song mm -hmm. or into a commercial. So um, what really did help is if you go into a radio station, I mean, this the boards are humongous, mm -hmm. okay? And we only really had five mics, but there were other things inside of the board that you had to be aware of. And from the computer standpoint, I think we had, at one point, there were maybe five computers that were feeding audio into the board right. if you needed it. There was a rack of, of CD players that if you needed CD to play from CDs, you had that. All those things... It's just a ton of uh, switches on a board mm -hmm. where, of course, if you were one man in a studio, you don't really need but one switch. Now, of course, I have a Rodecaster, which has, what's that, uh, seven inputs or mm -hmm. things you can, levers you can go up and line. 
up and down, but that's nothing compared to what the radio station had. So mm-hmm. it's so much easier for me. And all I have to do is now recognize, like, people would think I'm looking at Alex and I'm looking at a camera right now. Mm-hmm. So you have to figure out how to do, uh, I guess, they say the radio is the theater of the mind. All right. You want to be sure that you can present and communicate in a way that people can see what you're saying. In this case, uh, I am live streaming, but I understand where my focal point should be. And I'm thinking and I'm talking, but I'm also looking at something that's not Alex. Now, people use teleprompters. I have a teleprompter here. It is not set up. So I just have to use my peripheral where I have a monitor to the side of me and see everything that's kind of going on. Uh, It is really cool. I I love to geek out about the skill set more than the tech. Mm -hmm. But if I'm looking here, I can have my hand on a, a piece of equipment. If you don't mind, I don't mind showing you like yeah, that we some of my setup here so we can kind of see what's going on. Let me see if I could get this together. Um, got me full screen here. Now, I want to tell everybody before I make this move, I'm representing for all of the people that have messy studios. OK, <laughs> all of my messy studio people. So this is all my wires and lines and everything is there. And that's my stream deck. So I can actually be looking at you. All right. And have my hand on the stream deck and make changes. Uh Okay, so that's one of the things that I have in my studio that I absolutely love. And of course, this is the Rodecaster. um, And this is the first one, Rodecaster Pro. So I don't even have like the two yet Said, hey, this is enough for me in my studio. But that's really cool. Is there anything else that you just have to see while I'm here? This is my teleprompter that I have set up that I am not set up with right now. And this is my camera, the A6400 with a uh, Sigma 16 on it. Nice. And uh, my microphone is just right above me. See how close that is to me? Yep. Sennheiser <laughs> uh, 416. And, you know, I fought and fought and fought about getting this particular microphone. Like, I, Alex, I promise you, it was a hard fight on this microphone because it's really expensive. Uh, but I really wanted to get to the point where I didn't have a microphone in the shot. And there's so many alternatives to this microphone. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like I used to always hear um, people say, you know, well, it's just like a Honda. This car is so good. It's just like a Honda. Well, if it's just like a Honda, why not just get the Honda? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I wanted to go with the brand that had the the name, the experience, you know, people uh, is an industry standard when it comes to microphones. So I was in a friend's um, radio shop or a sound shop and I was just looking randomly and he had just purchased a whole bunch of used equipment from some a guy that had a studio that had passed and There, the Sennheiser was, I got it for like $700. And to be honest with you, Alex, I feel like I'm the man. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great mic. It's on my my list, that one is, actually. Yeah, so finding it it is, um, you know, for me was a big deal. Because at the end of the day, you know, I saved a lot of money in it. But uh, I still feel like I can tweak it just a little bit. I'm working with the Rodecaster just to kind of get the best sound. And the only problem I have is 
when I'm on like I am now and it's get kind of late and my wife start putting up the plates and the dishes and she starts the dishwasher because I'm yep. right underneath the uh, the kitchen upstairs. That's the only time I have a problem because I can hear, you can hear what's going on upstairs because this mic is so sensitive. Of right. course it has a rejection, but um, if the room is not well treated, mm-hmm. then um, of course you will have issues with this particular mic. Uh-huh. That being said, for the most part, as long as she's not washing dishes, Washing dishes, I'm okay. Uh-huh. And when so coming back to the, the sort of tech and the, the difference then between yeah. the, the radio studio and that, um, and the, the, the skills as well, um, what was it that was the sort of biggest hurdle for you to start doing this? Was there anything where, you know, it was, like I say, you know, you're just on, on your own. Was there anything that was out of the ordinary then for you that, with this or something where that you, you know, new skills that you had to learn basically to, to sort of bring it over to your live stream? That is a really good question. The only thing that was different really is looking at the camera, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So all the talking and the switching yep. is not a big deal. You know, even if I had to change the stream deck, I have learned on my shows, I use uh, what I call, I'm not calling anything. Let's just make it an L technique. All right. Mm-hmm. So if you have a stream deck, let me go back to uh, the stream deck here. And I'm going to show you what I do and see if this makes sense to you. So uh, I don't have it to where you see everything done up and the camera is showing all this dust, but I use an L technique. So I usually put my switches across the top, the three to the right, and then down the side. So when I am using this, I could be looking at the camera and I can just feel the buttons and Mm -hmm. know where I need to be. Uh Okay. So I call this my L technique. So this is just what one, two, three, four, five switches. And then if I need this one, I can do L and then the second one on the bottom. And then this is my end screen right here. So I know where I can end it. So that's the thing that I use to kind of help with some techniques with actually using the stream deck. Uh, So I'm not using all of the buttons. Yep. You know, I got 15 string. If I needed more buttons or if I was uh, having, you know, tons of guests, I have more buttons. And now they have it to where even with the 15, you could do uh, a page button to swap mm-hmm. it to another page and still do the same frame, uh, L across the top or L upside down L to uh, be able to control the switches. And that's how I do it. So I can look at you and be filling the switches and know where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, these are things are all set up pre-show. So I'm running it pre-show so I know where everything is and I never have to look at the stream deck. Uh, that's a skill that I had to learn. I had to learn to look at the camera. Um, uh, other than that, the skills from the radio, knowing how to do an interview, mm-hmm. knowing how to... Um, uh, introduce somebody, knowing how to end the show, knowing how to tell a person, okay, if you can hold on just one second, I'll be right back with you and end the show. And, you know, all these, it's little bitty techniques that over the years I've learned mm-hmm. that, you know, I have to kind of write a book on, okay, what are you actually doing? I don't know. I just learned this over the years yeah. of, of being a host and knowing how to insert comedy or humor inside of the video. So it's not all tech stuff. I want to be funny. I want to be engaging. I want to talk about things that, or ask you questions that nobody will ask you mm-hmm. in hopes that it gets a different response for you, but it makes you feel good about the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that again, comes with experience and time. And uh, really, I get a chance to 
you know, interview people like yourself that I want to mm-hmm. like. And if I want to interview, I'm intrigued by you in some way. So it's authentic. I'm asking questions that in my heart I want to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that helps uh, the audience see it and hear it and also feel it. Because, you know, if you have a flat show, uh, the audience will let you know. Yep. <laughs> That's what I'll let you know by clicking off. Yep. <laughs> That's one of the things I love about this, you know, doing this is, is I'm just speaking to people and having a conversation from people that I want to learn from as well. I mentioned before the show, it's like, I'm, I'm getting loads of my book recommendations from all the uh, wonderful guests on the, on the show and lots of tips as well. I'm really interested to know about the, the difference that you find between a host of a radio show and live streaming, because there is obviously a different sort of dynamic there. Um, how do you find that in terms of, you know, audience, audience engagement and which do you, do you enjoy one more than the other? And what's, what, what's your feeling with, with that? I do want to say this, Alex, is really not much of a difference. Mm-hmm. It's really not. Now I was in a very, very expensive studio with a lot of space, but if you bring cameras into it, it's no different than what I have here. I would bring cameras and lights and all of that kind of stuff into the studio, uh, which I think, to be honest with you, uh, radio stations going to have to do if right. they want to stay relevant. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is, I think, the future. Mm-hmm. So uh, people have so many different ways to get in music and streaming. I think that uh, from a streaming standpoint, you're going to get more of a stems, like an on-demand mix that you can make of the most popular songs. That's going to be a mm-hmm. really big thing in the future. So listening to the radio is less and less more of an attractive thing to young people. So if you're a radio station, what do you do? And I think you add in the videos, you do the rights where you can not only play the song, but play the video. And that brings another form of entertainment. It doesn't make sense. If there's a platform like YouTube that will pay you for viewership that any company in their right mind, it's kind of like why pay television when you can play, when you can give attention to YouTube and it would eventually pay you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why I think ra- uh, television is dead. And we're talking about radio, uh, but radio and television, they're kind of like that sure. old model and, and YouTube is the new model and it pays you. Now I know it's uh pennies per view in some cases, but it still has some type of way that you can be monetized. And when you're a radio station, you have so much going out. Get the rights to put a camera inside of the studio and go for it. Mm-hmm. So that's so you're saying what's the difference? I really feel like this is really not like a big difference. Um, in radio, of course, you're talking in seconds. Mm-hmm. So the longer you would talk in between a song is maybe 30 seconds at the most. Like unless you're interviewing someone, uh, an artist or something like this, is really quick hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're interviewing someone, um, you wouldn't go past five minutes uh, per segment because you might have to do it in segments. Right. But it's the length of a song and then you're going to a commercial or you're going to that person's song and then you come back. Uh, there's talk radio. So I'll give you this tip. A lot of people are, how do I get on Apple uh, or my podcast on all these podcasts, syndicated places? Do you not know there's an opportunity for podcasters that do talk podcasting? Why not go on radio, whether it's FM or AM? 
and get more viewerships possibly. Now I'm saying it's a dying medium, but what is a podcast? A podcast is just, a, it could potentially be, it's an audio uh, format that could also be on the radio. What if you have a syndicated podcast that's syndicated on radio stations as well? Like I'm saying that because I want people to break through, mm-hmm. uh, break through the boxes of squares that they put themselves in. Yes, it's so easy to go to Anchor. So you can go to Anchor right now, okay? What is also a part of Spotify, and you can have a radio show up within ten minutes. All right, in in less than a week, they can have you uh, spread through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, all of that stuff could happen. So for what's the next step? Like, what do you want to do after that? Yeah, I want to provide a larger audience or get to a larger audience, but don't stop in creatively thinking about if you have a popular show, where can that show go? Right now, there are tons of dials that are still open um, for talk shows, whether that's... uh, AM or FM that are looking for content. Mm-hmm. Like people stop and just say, okay, well, I did anchor and I'm doing well. You could do even better by having a, a, a terrestrial radio station that is allowing you to get on to do your talk podcast that you're producing with Ecamm or whatever you're producing it with. But then you could potentially get brand deals or commercials on mm-hmm. that podcast to get paid even more money. I just think that the sky's the limit. It should be like people should open their eyes. Now, again, you say, what's the difference? I'm here to tell you there's really for me, there's not a lot of difference other than the amount of time that you have to be able to get your uh, thought across in radio, especially when you're doing stations, not talk radio, but when you're doing music stations, it's a very short amount of talking uh, unless you're interviewing someone. Talk radio, it is the absolute same. Mm-hmm. I listen to sports talk a lot, and it is the same. Like, there's no reason why in a talk radio station you don't have cameras in there because potentially there's another audience waiting on you. And the reverse is also true. If you have a video show, uh, podcasts are waiting for you. And potentially, if you work hard, there may be some terrestrial radio stations that's looking for new content mm-hmm. that you can also monetize. And that's something that a lot of people don't talk about here in the States, uh, but it's definitely possible. Um, don't get stopped by just because it's so easy to go to Anchor and it's free that that's the end. It's not the end. It's the beginning. So as you garner any type of audience, be thinking about your next step. I, lo- I love that. And it's like, I think that there is this thing of, you know, people think of it as the, uh, you know, old media and new media almost. And so, yeah, not even considering that. I'd certainly never even consider the opportunity or the, the option to, you know, consider, you know, going down the, the radio route as well, in addition to everything else. Uh, and I feel a bit of, of a fool for never having thought of that because <laughs> one of the first people that I interviewed on this show was uh, JP Hightech. And one of the things that he does with uh-huh. his video is he streams that to uh, Roku. And I know that's not quite sort of old media, but it's still, you know, a set-top box almost in people's uh, homes. So, you know, he streams right. his shows to, to there as well, which is, you know, kind of a similar sort of thing that you, you're talking about there. Because they have 
millions of viewers. I want to say yeah. it's over 3 million viewers. And, and Roku in the States are coming with the smart televisions. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Walmart was selling brands that had Roku players on them. Like yes, that, yeah. It just makes sense. It just makes sense. And it's something you can control because it's your own station and it's not YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing, getting locked into a particular platform. And then if something happens on the platform, then, uh, you know, you could, uh, I mean, that's that's what happened to, to JP. He'd got, you know, 100K plus subscribers and then something changed and it affected his channel and he'd, he'd lost his channel and had to sort of start building it up again. And that was his impetus for thinking, right, well, I don't want to be beholden to any particular platform. So that's a, right. another, another great reason to, to be thinking about these kind of things. And I can go outside of the box all day, to be honest with you. And I think that's where uh, most creators should try to be outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, because staying inside of the box, if you know the timetable, and I'm not saying that, um, you know, waiting eight years to get a million subscribers is a bad deal. Mm-hmm. But while you're waiting those eight years and creating content, if you're thinking outside of the box, who knows, Alex, what next platform Mm -hmm. is going to shoot up. I I always kick myself. Why didn't I, when Gary V was saying, go to TikTok, why did I not (laughs) go to TikTok? Now I'm trying to get an audience on TikTok and it's a whole lot harder now. The wave is down. So they have this theory about waves uh, when it comes to uh, media platforms that people can get on. Mm -hmm. And of course, 2007, when these kids were 12 years old when YouTube started and they started on YouTube 10 years later, they're 22 and they're YouTube stars. Yep. But they were on YouTube with no audience at 12 years old mm-hmm. or, you know, you put 20 years on there and they're 32 and they have all this time that they've been working on YouTube. So, um, but YouTube was 2007 and now it's 2022. Mm-hmm. So you, know, you do the math. People that started in the beginning, whether it's uh, a lot of people started in 2012, 2014, mm-hmm. and they're still grinding on the platform. But they were on the initial wave where people wasn't on it. And then people got on it and they caught the wave. The second wave happened when the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. People are at home. There's only so many videos on uh, Netflix, <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. There's only so many videos. on. So when you watch all you can watch or that you want to watch on Netflix, where are you going? And you're going to YouTube, whether that's to how to fix something in the house, because now I got all this time at home. I need to fix stuff. Or if you want to be entertained at a different level, you know, not highly produced. They're not using these cinema cameras. They're just talking or as a family. And there's so much content on there. It's just unbelievable mm-hmm. on the YouTube platform. And catching that wave of the pandemic really did help a lot of people. Now, in the States, potentially there could be another wave when it comes to the recession. People are at home or they just need to get away and they can use YouTube as a way of entertainment. And YouTube is changing to look more like Netflix is going to, the interface is going to change a little bit. Being recommended is going to be a big deal. So it's another time I feel like to kind of focus on YouTube content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that. And I've said a lot, I'm sorry. I know that I don't have any time for uh, TV these days. I don't don't remember the last thing I ever watched on a TV channel. Even Netflix, to be honest, it's, uh, I'm 
I'm I'm always focused more on what can I learn, <laughs> and YouTube is the right. my uh, my current university of choice. <laughs> you know, I want to learn stuff so bad, and I like trivial things. Uh-huh. So now, my suggested YouTube is a hundred uh, unusable facts. Right. So these people, it's, they just go Trivia. through a hundred strange things. And yeah. it's really cool to me. It's very engaging because, yeah. you know, you may not get a hundred good facts, but if I got 10 things that I did not know, it's like, man, that's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of facts and uh, things that we know, um, what's the uh, the book that you're reading at the moment? I know you mentioned one that you got earlier on. I'm always interested to find yeah. out what people learn and uh, what people read and what we can sort of learn from that and, and sort of how it applies as well to, you know, what you're, what you're currently doing. So what would you be? Your- so, One of the things that I like to do, Alex, is I work with a company that does some leadership training in the healthcare field. And I had a chance to meet this young lady named Sharon Parks. And Sharon has a book called Leadership Can Be Taught. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sharon Parks and a phenomenal lady. I mean, a phenomenal lady. She actually had a chance to sit in on a Harvard Business School. So the survey was done on kind of like the most important part of the process at Harvard Business and all of the students said this particular class on adaptive leadership really helped me as I was going through Harvard. So she actually went in and did a study on that class and wrote a book about adaptive leadership and uh, a bold approach to a complex world. Leadership can be taught. It's just a great book and wonderful lady to me. She's in her 80s now, but just a different way of thinking about leadership, how you lead. And uh, I always call it other vocabulary words because it gives you uh, wording in a different way for you to think about some of the things that you may be doing in your particular company or in your leadership style. So that's what I got going on now. Got you. So it's kind of like just sort of reframing almost stuff that you're, you're, you're currently doing in any case. So, so it's a little bit of reframing and it is a new thought pattern. I got you. So Mm -hmm. one of the things is, you know, uh, uh, like a physical leadership and adaptive leadership, like the complexity of sometimes in your business, you can have technical issues. And the other side of your business, it could be, I, um, how you want to call it, more of mental issues where you need to change a thought process or way people are thinking about the part that they inside of your business versus the technical stuff. So mm-hmm. technical stuff, basically, you know, it's a new interface, right? It's a, it's a new way to be able to do a process, but when it's on the mental side, uh, you really need to figure out how you help your employees, people that you lead to think about things a different way. And there's different ways to go about that, but you have to identify with problem you're having is it a systems problem or is it a people problem right so, right there you go oh, i'm really looking forward to diving into that that sounds uh and i, I like i like it it looks a big uh, thick book to get into so yeah, <laughs> i like those is, ones that you can really I mean, get engrossed in it yeah this one is is a big one but i think that uh once you if you're looking for any type of leadership stuff this is a different way of thinking about leadership mm-hmm. um and it is at a very high level so i'm going I'm reading it very slowly, but having met this young lady and mm-hmm. being in a program where, you know, she was kind of leading a cohort talking about issues, you know, I thought it was really cool. So yep. seen it, you've seen it in practice. Have, <laughs> yeah, I've seen it in practice. 
been in practice. Cool stuff. Well, I'll definitely uh, check that out. Um, we're nearing the top of the hour, and I always like to be conscious of your time, obviously. But uh, what have you got going on at the moment? What's the sort of next next evolution of uh, things that you're uh, you're you're sort of planning, or have you got any other any other live streaming related things on the horizon? So always live streaming on Mondays. Excuse me, Sundays and Mondays. So on Sundays is Ecamm, the stream show on their channel. And then on Mondays, one stream live on their channel. Tomorrow, I'm actually doing a webinar releasing a new feature for one stream. It's oh, cool. their, they call the studio. Right. So uh, basically, they are now a all-in-one platform for you. So you can use that one platform to go live, to play pre-recorded video, or send up to 40, send your uh, video or your live stream out to 40 different platforms. So it's really cool. Got you. So that's, so that's like browser-based um, multi-streaming. It is browser, browser-based multi-streaming. And uh, they have just, uh, the system initially, Alex, was just a way to play, play pre-recorded videos. Ah, I see. Right. And use it, yeah, use it from a cloud-based perspective. So yeah. A lot of the competitors, you had to dump it into their system and then you could play it uh, pre-recorded. But with this system, I could actually have it in my Google Drive and it would play from my Google Drive, which meant that I could play larger form content. Ah, right. That's cool. Uh, so so at, at a much cheaper price. Mm-hmm. And that caught my attention. And then the company did what most companies do. They focused on their business. Uh-huh. They went from pre-recorded uh, and then pre-recorded multi-streaming, and then they went to live multi-streaming mm-hmm. and they kept adding features and features. And now they are taunting a new studio where it's an all-in-one feature. So you go there and you can basically do everything. You can um, pre-record or record your uh, content, uh, go live with your content, and it's all in one platform. So initially you have to use other platforms to be able to capture a camera and then send it out. But now you don't have to do that. So I'm excited about being a part of their webinar. And that's mm-hmm. tomorrow on OneStream Live's uh, webpage. And, of course, I have this new thing, Alex. I'm going to give it to you. Um, because of my ability to know so many content creators uh, in the industry and people are so warm and welcoming to me asking them to be guests on a show. I'm going to start in 2020 a webinar series where people can basically come in and hear from some of the larger content creators, but basically do the webinar um, as a DJ Strict webinar, but bringing uh, a, a list of friends and huge content creators where people can actually see them mm-hmm. and know them and have it off a YouTube uh, platform, but on my own platform. Got you. Right, right. So that, that is, that's what's coming for 2023. And basically in, in doing the intrigue and making sure that each session, each conference or virtual conference is what people are looking for. Like mm-hmm. the ideas, the content, show me how to do this. And it'll all be, so it'll just be four, but they'll all be dedicated to a certain portion of right. the content creator journey 
and uh, having friends on. And I'm sure I'm going to call you, Alex, and say, hey, come be a part of one of these uh, (laughs) conferences. And uh, it'll just be a a great way to, you know, have community, but do it where I'll have enough time to advertise it and get people to get on board. Yeah, that sounds like a fantastic idea. And yeah, I'd be happy to be uh, any small part of that. Or if not, I'll be there as an attendee for sure in any case. (laughs) So that's I would definitely be calling you. Uh Yes, sir. Uh So I'll just bring your website up as well. Um, Is that the best place for people to go and find you? Obviously, all of the links for... um, uh, Strict will be in the show notes and in the description as well on the uh, the replay of this on YouTube. Um, but you'll find uh, links to your website there and all of the other other places as well. Um, Great. It- so they can definitely find me there. So if there's a place that I, I'm at more than others, it's probably Instagram. Oh, cool, cool. So I love talking on Instagram. I'm doing reels on Instagram. Inbox me. Uh, I shared the uh, announcement is about today on Instagram on my story. So at Strict City on Instagram is probably the best way to get to me. Of course, I'm on Facebook at uh, DJ Strict. You can find me there as well. Cool, cool. I just uh, <laughs> brought up the wrong page there, but never mind. Cool, I'll bring that one. No worries. It's in the no it's in the description in any case. So it is. Uh, you'll find it all over there uh, for those watching. I'll just pop it up so you know what to look for. Yeah, check me out there. You'll see my smiling face. So, I mean, just check this out. Just this top line, (laughs) Diana Gladney did a show. I had her reel there. The other one is Justin Brown talking about his show. And then I have Bradley Vincent there. Uh, And the second one shows you a lot, too. So, Bradley, again, this is where I did uh, a message at my church. And then my wife, who's always doing cameo. Uh, cameos on my Instagram. We do a lot of uh, just kind of behind the scenes of how I travel and manage her career as well. Uh-huh. Steve Worthy, uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Colby, you know, uh, Dan, so many great people, uh, Dan Courier. You know, these are just people that I've had an, a chance to interview that are phenomenal uh-huh. when it comes to being content creators. Dan just released that. He did like $100,000 on Amazon Oh, I saw Live. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love to. I love to get him wow. on to speak about that. <laughs> this, yeah, wow. yeah, people like him are inspiring me with uh, with the whole Amazon thing. I mean, that's part of the reason for me streaming this to Amazon. I'm trying to trying to also con- focus on that platform a little bit as well as the YouTube and the LinkedIn and and those sorts of things as well. But that's awesome. Thank you. You so have much. to be able to do more things, and you definitely do it. No, thank you, Alex, for having me on. If there's any way that I can help in what you're doing, please let me know and. Uh, Again, I'll be calling you to uh, have you on our conference. <laughs> well, likewise, I'm, I'm there for anything that you need me to help out with, and I'll, I'll certainly be there for that. So uh, thanks once again. I'll have a, a little chat with you backstage after I just uh, wrap up here, but uh, really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you, sir. Cheers. So if you are listening on audio, you may want to check out the video of this podcast on my Take One Tech YouTube channel to see some of the behind the scenes shots that uh, Strick shared there um, and get to see his uh, setup. Uh, If you want to connect with Strick, you can find all of the details in the show notes and in the description as well. Uh, And so definitely go and uh, check out all of the amazing things that he's doing. If you'd like to connect with me, you can uh, also find that in the show notes. Just head over to takeonetech.io and you'll find all of the things linked there. Uh, Thanks once again for uh, watching and thanks to Strict for being here. I uh, really appreciate all of the support that I've been getting for all of the uh, wonderful guests that I've been having on. Uh, and I'll be back again next week with another great guest and another great conversation. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And I'll see you next time. <laughs>